This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, July 1st. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, a conversation with Attorney General Phil Weiser, return of the 4th of July parade, time to ride again, and a mountain weather forecast. Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser stopped in Telluride this week. KOTO spoke with him about his approach to a range of national and state issues. Colorado lawmakers this year passed a bill guaranteeing the right to abortion, and in light of the U.S. Supreme Court's recent ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, I'm curious how you hope to use your office's power to continue to guarantee that folks in Colorado have a right to abortion. The Reproductive Health Equity Act basically codifies Roe v. Wade in Colorado law, which means no one in Colorado can get in the way with a provider offering abortion services to those who need it for a range of different reasons. If that comes up and there's people who are trying to stop access to abortion, our office can do something about it. Do you see the attorney general as having a particular role in upholding that law? Our role is to enforce our laws. Our role is to provide guidance on our laws. That's why we put out a recent Know Your Rights document so that all Coloradans know under Colorado law, this Reproductive Health Equity Act, access to abortion services are protected. I'm going to stick with the Supreme Court for a bit because they've been in the news a lot lately. They also recently released a ruling limiting the Federal Environmental Protection Agency's power to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from power plants. And so what power do you have as attorney general to continue to ensure that Colorado reduces its greenhouse gas emissions? And how will you use that power? As attorney general, I've been defending protections for our land, air, and water, including those at the federal level, like our clean car rules, making sure that we in Colorado can have higher standards for our emissions and basically making sure that cars here have less emissions than, for example, in other states even. We're now in a time when the federal government, under this recent ruling, is going to have less authority to deal with greenhouse gases. That means the work at the state level moving towards a clean energy economy is more important than ever. And we've been doing that work in Colorado for years now. My job is to make sure that work continues. I'll be defending it. I'll be helping to implement it. Well, you say the word continue, but I have to ask, does this Supreme Court ruling change at all your strategy or approach to this work moving forward? The reality is the so-called Clean Power Plan for Colorado with sleeves off of our vest. We had already been committed towards a clean energy transition, meaning that when you looked at the goals we were going to have to meet, we were already doing it. So in one sense, the painful ruling, which we think in our office is is really a threat to the EPA's ability to protect human health, it's not going to change what we're doing. It does make it more important, however, because it's no longer the case that our actions are going to potentially comply with federal law. Our actions are because we in Colorado care about protecting our land, air, and water at a time of climate change. One of the big issues of concern for many people in our community is housing and short-term rentals and the challenges of regulating and finding an equilibrium in that industry. What power do you see yourself having as attorney general to helping find that equilibrium and ensure housing sustainability in Colorado? Housing issues are a challenge all over the state. It's one that our office has a pretty limited remit, if you will. We did get a new fair housing unit set up, which can oversee practices by those who own and rent homes to others to make sure they do it fairly. But the main question that you're getting at, which is, do we have enough affordable housing? How do we encourage it? How do we treat different forms of housing? It's actually something the legislature deals with and obviously the governor, but our office has a pretty limited role with it. 
Well, you're up for re-election this year, but you're also not the only one up for re-election this year. And right now, at least on the federal level, forecasts are not looking too good for Democrats. A lot of folks expect Democrats to lose at least some of the control they have at the federal level. So if you do win a second term as Colorado's attorney general, how would you see that potential reduction of Democratic control at the federal level impacting your ability to do work as Colorado's attorney general? My message to everyone who asks is tune out Washington. Right now, Washington has been a lot of noise, a lot of hating, but not a lot of problem solving. The work we're doing in Colorado on the opioid epidemic, for example, on protecting consumers. We got $40 million back to consumers who were cheated by irresponsible companies on how we protect our water during this time of climate change and drought. This work we're doing in Colorado, it's meaningful. In the best of all worlds, we will get more help from the federal government. We're going to get some from this Federal Infrastructure Act that will help us provide broadband and build more water infrastructure. But frankly, the federal government has largely been absent on critical issues. So whether or not Democrats control Congress or Republicans control Congress, my view is I'm putting my head down. I'm working with people here in Colorado to solve the problems that face the people of Colorado. Phil Weiser is Colorado's Attorney General. Attorney General Weiser, thanks for talking. Thanks for making the time. Always a pleasure. After a multi-year COVID-caused hiatus, the Telluride 4th of July parade is back. But even Susan Kramer isn't quite sure what this year's parade will look like. We never know, do we? Kramer is the president of the Telluride 4th of July Parade Committee, and she's ready for the return. I have missed it so much. And the last couple of years, we've gone to other places for their 4th of July, and it just doesn't compare. This is the best. Those eager to make their way down Colorado Avenue can register in one of 12 categories to march in the parade, including kid float, adult float, dogs, horses, classic car, and totally unique and fun, among others. In the past, Kramer points to some particularly memorable floats. We've had some couples who have gotten engaged. But what stands out in my mind, numerous years ago, there was a couple who got married during the parade on top of a three-tiered wedding cake. It was enormous, and they looked so beautiful, and it rained, and it rained. But, I mean, what a great memory. Let's hope they're still together and they're still happy, but that one really stands out. And new this year. After the horses go through. Now, let me repeat this. After the horses go through, don't leave because we will be immediately awarding the trophies at the courthouse. And for anyone still buzzing after seeing Top Gun Maverick. We do have our flyover that's been verified. So that's always a big deal. That takes a long time for me to make happen. And so we're really excited about that. And so that will officially start our parade and being able to honor our veterans. The Telluride 4th of July Parade will cruise down Colorado Avenue at 11 a.m. on, you guessed it, Monday, July 4th. More information is available at TellurideFourthOfJulyParade.com. The Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association will also host their Red, White, and Blues celebration July 3rd and 4th in the town of Mountain Village with a range of live music, food and drink specials, and fun activities, including performances from the Salida Circus and a magic show from Misto the Magi, inflatable jumpy castles, face-painting mini-boat races, and more. The full schedule for Red, White, and Blues in Mountain Village is available at townofmountainvillage.com. 
But wait, there's more this Independence Day weekend. Runners will also race up the Telluride side of the mountain for the annual Rundala, Monday at 8 a.m., and the Telluride Historical Museum will be selling root beer floats at the museum following the parade. Safety is also a priority this weekend. In spite of the recent rains that have wetted the region, Telluride Fire Protection District Chief John Bennett stresses the area is in a multi-year drought and there is still fire danger. The forest, you know, takes some time to rebound. Yes, we've had some some nice monsoonal flow uh, rainfall. Um, I would say that that helps our current plight, but it's long-term. We're still dealing with a, a pretty significant drought-type weather condition in our area, and I think we'll continue to experience that even with a little bit of rain. Fireworks, he notes, are illegal in the towns of Telluride and Mountain Village. And we would encourage those that perhaps do amateur shows not to do that. Um, we did cancel fireworks this year about three weeks ago with uh, when we were going into fire restrictions for a number of reasons, planning, delivery, and, and those sorts of details that it's hard to predict the, the winds of the weather. Fires, Bennett adds, should only happen in established fire rings, and he says they should be cold to the touch when you put them out. Be careful, he says, and have a great holiday weekend. The Ride Festival is back for the 10th celebration of rocking music. Like last year, the 2022 festival will be a largely indoor affair spread around Telluride. We're doing five nights in four different venues. We're not going to do a lot of overlapping shows like last year. That's festival producer Todd Creel. So it'll just be a free show at the lounge every night at 5 p.m. First come, first serve. The lounge is the ride lounge on Telluride Main Street. And then there will be a show at the Opera House at 8 and a show at the Moon at 10. And then on Sunday we're doing one show at the Transfer Warehouse as well. Creel describes this year's headliner, Archangels, as a supergroup. A lot of people don't really know him by name because they only made one record back in 92. But, you know, it, it really is a super group with Charlie Sexton and Doyle Bramhall both singing lead and playing lead, which is a kind of a unique rock format. And then Chris Layton, who's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame drummer for Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, they put on one hell of a show, so we're excited about that. We'll be playing at the Opera House on Saturday night. I was hanging out. Some friends of mine. The other eight groups of artists attending range from the big to the up-and-coming. Black Pistol Fire coming back for a couple nights. They always have a super high-energy show. Big something, kind of Telluride staples. And James McMurtry is pretty popular. It seems like he probably sold more tickets to his show than anyone who's playing with Suzanne Santa. It'll be a great kind of two-show package at the Opera House. Tyler Bryant coming back and will burn the house down at the moon with their Texas rock and roll on uh, Thursday and Friday night. And then we got some newcomers like Daniel Ponder. Last year we brought Yola and she was kind of on the move. And this year, uh, Danielle Ponder has some similarity, but 
Very soulful singer, kind of making her break right now. For the most part, the shows are individually ticketed with a handful of all-access passes. If you want to see all the shows, you know, come see us at the ride and we'll figure it out. Creel acknowledges, initially, the festival had hoped to return to Town Park this year, but... We discovered along with our headliner that, you know, at least at the time, the room charges, you know, the lodging piece had become so challenging and the room, basic room rate's so expensive that it was just daunting to try to get that many people in the park when that's what you're up against. And as we learned from last year, in mid-July, there are a lot of people that aren't really here for music. They're, the town's full. Still, 2023 may see the return of the ride to the town park stage. The festival has case approval for 2023 dates in late September, but the festival still has to get approval from the town of Telluride's Parks and Recreation Department. In the meantime, head to RideFestival.com for this year's full schedule. The 2022 Ride Festival runs at venues throughout Telluride from Wednesday, July 6th through Sunday, the 10th. And when I see that rising sun, I know my time has finally come. The Talking Gourds Poetry Club returns for their monthly Bardic Trails online gathering this Tuesday. Each monthly meeting features an award-winning guest poet, though this month's poet is far from a stranger. San Miguel County Poet Laureate Joanna Spindler will share her work for the July event. Spindler has performed public poetry for nearly a decade across the San Miguel watershed, her work has been published in 85 for 85, Artists Advocate for Bears Ears National Monument, Grits Quarterly, The Telluride Daily Planet, The Durango Climbing Zine, The Sage Green Journal, and more. Following Spindler's reading, there will also be time for a Q&A and for poetry sharing from attendees. July's poetry prompt, for those who wish to write, is Electrify. The July Bardic Trails Poetry Gathering will be Tuesday, July 5th, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. over Zoom. To register for the link, head to telluridelibrary.org. Applications are open for Mountain Films Commitment Grants and Emerging Filmmaker Fellowship. Grants support documentary filmmakers in production or post-production for nonfiction stories celebrating adventure, activism, social justice, culture, the environment, and the indomitable spirit. Grants range from $1,000 to $5,000. The Emerging Filmmaker Fellowship supports documentary filmmakers on their first or second documentary. The fellowship provides one filmmaker with a year-long mentorship, including edit and story consultation, networking opportunities, and a $2,000 cash award, plus a trip to the 2023 festival. Applications for both the Mountain Film Commitment Grants and Emerging Filmmaker Fellowship are open from July 1st to 31st. More information is available at mountainfilm.org. Southwestern Colorado got some drought relief thanks to an unusually wet June. The San Luis Valley and Sangre de Cristo Mountains usually get strong summer rain, but that pattern started earlier this year. Assistant state climatologist Becky Bollinger said it won't make a big difference for water supply, but still has benefits. This is going to limit 
the wildfire risk in the area, which is very good news because the June time period was really where that National Interagency Fire Center was seeing a higher risk for uh, significant wildfires. The Front Range and Eastern Plains got drier over the past month, with especially limited rainfall in northeastern Colorado. Several new laws took effect Friday in Colorado. KOTO's Scott Franz reports many of them will save residents money. One measure waives licensing fees for nurses and mental health workers. Another is giving restaurants and hotels sales tax breaks worth up to $2,000 per business. But the most significant law may be one that cancels something Democrats passed last year. Drivers were supposed to start paying a two-cent-per-gallon fee to raise millions for road work. But lawmakers passed a new version delaying it until next year because gas prices and other costs started soaring. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a 50% chance of showers and a low around 50 degrees. Saturday, expect cloudy skies with showers and thunderstorms and a high near 70 degrees. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 50 degrees and a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Sunday should be partly sunny with a 60% chance of precipitation and a high in the mid-60s. Sunday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 50 degrees and a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Friday, July 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Monday, July 4th for the Independence Day holiday. We will be back with Off the Record on Tuesday, July 5th and more news on Wednesday the 6th. Have a safe, fun holiday weekend. And now, personal commentaries. Do you remember the time? I do. Hello, this is Pam Petty with some comments regarding the 4th of July and Telluride. My source for these remarks is my memory. It was triggered during a ceremony on June 6th at the Oak Street Gondola Plaza. The Telluride Foundation was the host, and the purpose was to honor Ron and Joyce Allred and Jim Wells, whose benchmark corporation of Avon, Colorado, bought the Telluride Company and its subsidiary, Telski, in the mid-1980s. The master of ceremonies was Paul Major, founding president and co-founder with Ron Allred as its chair of the Telluride Foundation. The intent was to recognize the impacts Telco's ownership had on the town of Telluride and the development of Mountain Village. Ron's focus was on the ski mountain and the infrastructure, transportation and lodging services, streets, sewer, gym, Chief Financial Officer concentrated on getting, I think he said, $30 million to fund Ron's visions. Joyce was noted for her efforts to make the town more, shall we say, presentable. The purpose of my commentary is to give a shout-out to Joyce Allred, who, with her friend Sherry Flat, organized the Telluride Garden Club. It was the club's purpose to clean up the town, and the results of their energies are still visible today. 
For instance, their list included installing the hanging flower basket you see today on Main Street, a.k.a. Colorado Avenue. It was in the mid-1980s council meeting when then, or I was in the mid-80s council meeting, when then-manager Gary Hickox, in his staff report to council, noted the town's recent delivery of a street sweeper. Staff decided to name the street sweeper Joyce in honor of her leadership efforts to clean up the town. Back in the day, the mining community organized the 4th of July parade and town picnic. Those celebrations were interrupted by World War II and then the Korean War. Joyce and her group also decided to revive the parade, and we continue this weekend to celebrate the 4th with a parade that's essentially pure Telluride. If you are at the parade on the 4th and you see Joyce, give the lady a big shout out. Thanks for listening. Let's be kind. On the G-Mug, kindness means recreating responsibly and preventing wildfires. Kindness is caring for our wildlife, water, and spectacular scenery. Kindness is good fire for restoration, protection, and resiliency. Kindness is respecting and honoring each other. So let's be kind. Thank you from the Grand Mesa, Uncompagre, and Gunnison National Forest. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.